0: This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 146. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he loves to fly but hates the turbulence, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use, and one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be, because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting and they're making it even easier this is a podcast host and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories apple podcast spotify google podcast etc i use it myself they've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show which is really key right just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to and buzzsprout is some of the best They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. I mean, who likes Turbulence? I don't think anybody likes turbulence. But anyway, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time, and I'm so stoked because I get to introduce to you somebody who's doing really amazing stuff in a really interesting niche. Actually, it's like a niche within a niche within a niche. And he's doing a lot of cool stuff to create new products and validate those ideas and actually pre-sale those products to his audience before he actually goes out and makes them, which is really what this whole podcast is about. I also want to talk about how he went through me and Chris Tucker's one-day business breakthrough experience and what he came out of it with and a lot of cool things like that. This is actually Jared Robinson from thepegeek.com, P-E as in physical education, so thepegeek.com. Dot com. You'll hear his story. You'll talk about how he got started and um, similar story to mine, actually. But then he's sort of taken it to a whole new level. He has a number of apps available for PE teachers that are in uh, iOS format and also Android right now. And he has a lot of web apps and he has, a like I said, a lot of really exciting stuff going on in terms of pre-selling these really cool products to his audience to validate those ideas, get money to pay developers to create those ideas before they're even created. So let's check it out. This is Jared Robinson, who I recently met in Australia from thepegeek.com. What's up, everybody? So stoked today because we have Jared Robinson from thepegeek.com. Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Welcome
1: Absolute pleasure to be here, Pat. And just looking forward to connecting and sharing as much as I possibly can and sort of paying back everything that I've sort of got from the SPI community and yourself.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. And and you had just mentioned before we started recording that you started listening to the show at around episode 50. Is that right?
1: It was. And it was almost like a binge thereafter. Like I went through (laughs) and listened to, to 50 episodes in, you know, a week. And I mean, it was the catalyst for sort of me thinking very differently about what i was doing online and um you know becoming a bit more professional about it a bit more intentional and yeah so i certainly thank you for that
0: yeah you're welcome and for those of you listening, Jared and I, we actually met when I went to Australia to speak at the Pro Blogger Conference. Chris and I did one of our one-day business breakthrough events sort of overseas there, and Jared attended, and he just had this really incredible story with an amazing uh, business that he's going to talk about in a second. And since that day, he's took a lot of action. I've even, I, I just went back on his website for the first time since that day, and it's massive changes. He's going to talk about that. He's going to also talk about some strategies he's used to validate and also pretty much guarantee the success of one of his products that he's created even before creating it. So we're going to talk about that as well. But Jared, why don't you talk about, you know, what? How, where were you before you got online and how you got into this niche that you're in?
1: It's pretty interesting. I mean, it started in around 2008 and like I jumped online my first year of teaching and I created a blog for my students and it was all about trying to get them to blog and I wanted to learn how that worked. So you're and a teacher. Yeah, I'm a teacher. So I I teach PE. I still teach PE actually. So physical education. And um, I basically was writing about what I was doing with the students. And it was almost going to be a reflection that I used for my first year out. You go from being provisionally registered to full registration. And I was using that for my evidence. And it just so happened that um, people stumbled across it. I didn't even know that people would find it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think you had a similar experience, didn't you? You did realize people, yeah, that's how I felt. And uh, eventually um, I found out that people were coming along and that sort of motivated me to write more and more. And it was all about how to use technology to teach physical education. So that was the sort of bridge that I was blogging about and there was really no one doing it. And over the many years since it's sort of grown into this um authority in that space and has led me down the path of building over 60 iOS apps and um now moving into sort of web apps and been pretty fortunate to fly to over 30 countries and train teachers on how to use technology in their peer classroom. So it's amazing where it began because it wasn't intentional and um now it is yeah very much my pride and joy and I still love teaching because it gives me all the ideas for for what I can blog about.
0: That's so cool. so you're in the physical education niche, but you have this blog and this business now that is helping people use technology within this space. I mean, this is like a niche within a niche within a niche, right? You're not just a teacher, you're a PE coach, but then not only are you a PE coach, but you're helping people in the PE world use tech.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And at first it was really sort of a little bit controversial. I had to defend my stance a lot. But over the many years since, I mean, back in two thousand and eight, that was that was the um, what I had to do. But since the release of the iPad and tablet devices, I mean, that's become something that um, is is much more obvious as to how beneficial it could be, and it's sort of just gone crazy now to the point of there being literally in uh, thousands of PE teachers that use the hashtag PE geeks to sort of discuss and talk about PE and technology. And wow. yeah, that's that's it. It's
0: it's it's amazing where it's gone from. And and what do you like? What do you enjoy most about this? Now that it's sort of become successful, you said you're still teaching PE, right? Yeah, I'm,
1: really. I I still have the same view of it, where I will be blogging about things that I have done in my class, or the the actual students are an inspiration for something that I might go ahead and then build as an app or. Um, as a resource for them. And I still like teaching face to face. I mean, I don't even have to c- even do that anymore. And I'm sort of starting to to withdraw a little bit and you know, maybe go part time. But I still love that being in the environment, dealing with PE teachers and then being able to say that I did this myself. And it's a very different sort of dynamic than being not in the class and trying to tell those things.
0: Sure, sure. Are you are you an app developer yourself? Do you know how to code or how does you what's the process like for getting some of these apps created?
1: I literally have no idea, Pat. Like, I have no clue. And I literally use Elance and I, I stumbled across that and that changed my changed my world, really, in how I thought about this. Um, and the first app I ever built was something for $500 and um, all it did was enabled you to do the 12-minute run Cooper's test. I don't know if you know that fitness test. Mm-mm, no. You run for 12 minutes and based on how far you run, it tells you how aerobically fit you are. And it was something that was a really big pain for PE teachers because they'd have to set up a course and know how far that was because everyone got different distances. Mm. And I thought, well, if you turned it into a GPS app, then it just ran for 12 minutes and it tracked it. That was the first app I ever built. And I knew nothing of coding or anything. Bringing that to life was immense. And it showed me that you could, with no knowledge, whatever, but an idea, you could go out there and sort of um, and bring something to life in, in this sort of global scale.
0: That's really cool. How successful was that app? Did it take off like on day 1 when it was on when it was in the App Store? I still remember the first dollar
1: that came in from that first sale. And at this <laughs> stage, you know, I, I had the um the blog and I and I blogged about it and I mean, I think it took about 2 months to to get, you know, its expenses brought back in. And I used those exact funds again to build a second one. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, I'm earning $4 a day. You know, that's going to translate into about two or three apps that I can build a year. And and then some of them became more popular. And eventually that sort of flowed into where I am now. And there's about 45 on the app store of, you know, all sorts of scales and sizes. And and I've actually sold and flipped a few of them for profit as well.
0: Wow, that's super cool. Can you share with us really quick? What are some of your more popular applications that, you know, somebody might be able to find out there?
1: I built one for teachers. Uh, well, really, I built it for me. That's That's where I... That's where I come at it from, building them for myself, and then, you know, sort of thinking that that would scale out to people with similar interests. Hmm. And, and probably the most popular one is is called Easy Portfolio. And it's this whole brand that I've got called Easy. And it's been downloaded over 250,000 times. And um, it's won awards in the US and Australia.
0: No way. And
1: yeah, it has. <laughs> that's it actually cool. has. It's cool. And, um, the, the, probably the most exciting thing is that it's actually part of the one laptop per child program. We, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but there's this of it, company yeah. that company that gives out laptops and tablets to third world countries. And, and they actually bought the Android, not the right, they didn't actually buy it. I gave them the Android version of it to put it on the image that they are now sending out to all the third world countries as standard on the OLPC program. So that was really, that's, that's the proudest one for me for sure.
0: That is so cool. Wow! Congratulations on on all that. That's incredible. Oh, thanks. So we'll all have to check that out. Now, is that for is that a paid application? Like that's actually driving some income for you?
1: That that does drive most of it. Um, it's it's a dollar ninety nine, but um, most downloads have sort of came in the periods where I've switched it to free or switched it to ninety nine cents, and um, yeah, it's really got a quite a big presence of people who use it to document the learning process. And uh, it's got plans to sort of scale out to sort of like a connected web app and all that sort of stuff as well.
0: Man, that is so cool. Man, congratulations. That's awesome. Okay, wow. let's, uh, let's fast forward to August 2014. Uh, you attended me and Chris Ducker's One Day Business Breakthrough event. All of you can find out more information about that at onedaybb.com. And talk about what you came into that day with and then kind of what you came out of it with.
1: Without a doubt, I'm like, I went in there with a, a real intention to get feedback of the highest possible caliber from yourself and Chris and and from everyone in the room. And I wanted to have my site redesigned and I sort of had intended to have it happen before then. But when I had seen the one D B come up, I thought that would be a great vehicle to get feedback. And my site, when I created it was probably not very good, but because I hadn't never intended it to be this sort of presence on the on the web. And it was looking really tired and it was looking like a teacher blog and not really like a business that you could trust or grow to follow. So that feedback from yourself was was amazing. And just knowing very clearly what, what people were getting into when they landed on the site, that was the big thing I got out of it. And knowing that um, putting my own presence on the site a little bit more so and yeah, being able to trust that brand a little bit more um, was probably one of the biggest things. And then the feedback from participants was also really valuable, sort of agreeing to what you guys had had put forward. And yeah, I mean, went immediately action that stuff with a 99designs competition like that night. I, I put it up to get a redesign and, and there it was. It was launched in uh,
0: about a month after that. And it looks great. I have to say, I do notice the changes. Um, it, it looks fantastic. And talk about some of the numbers that have changed, perhaps the results of, of actually just putting those things into action.
1: So the biggest thing for me was my bounce rate. So I mean, I had a lot of people that would obviously come to the site and probably not really know what it was about and disappear. And that has that immediately dropped really quickly. It's dropped by at least um, fifteen percent over the trend, the time that I've had. And it was up around sort of seventy percent. So it's it's sort of getting down, and I hope it will continue. Uh, In terms of page views, I get around about fifteen hundred page views a day. And that sort of jumped up to, you know, the, around the 2000 figure per day. And um, that's been nice. And if you look at the actual mapping Google Ang- Analytics, you can actually see when I went live and, and where it's gone to. And I think a big part of it is that now it's sort of indexed. You've got the blog and the podcast and you have to click through to get to some of those pages, which obviously counters extra page views and a bit more interaction happening on the site now.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. And it's very clear and concise. And just like, I know what it's about when I get there. I think that I remember was the biggest thing for me. Like I wasn't sure what the PE geek uh, was all about. And here it's clear, physical education and technology right there, big and bold. You're holding this iPhone. We see your face. We trust you right away. Great smile. You know, you're even wearing this, I uh, probably uh, some sort of tech sort of band around your wrist right so sort of like, exactly yeah it's perfect it's, it's perfect now you had contacted me because you were just telling me about how things were going after one day business breakthrough and, and things were going well and then you had talked about this new product that you came out with and the way you were describing how you created it just completely impressed me now can you start with where you like how this all happened what what it is and maybe just kind of educate us on how we can learn from your experience here
1: so, I mean, one of the biggest things for me is I've, I've, I get a little bit um, obsessed sometimes with releasing products and often I, I release them before I actually realize whether or not they will be useful to, the, to anyone else besides just me. And on this particular case, after hearing a lot from you, particularly at One Day BB and a few other um, podcasts, the idea was to validate it first and see whether or not someone would actually put their money up in front before the idea was anything more than just an idea. So I sent out this tweet to my followers, 140 characters sort of saying that I wanted to build a video analysis tool that worked inside of um, a a browser inside of um, Google Drive and video analysis lets you do sort of frame by frame, side by side analysis and drawing on a video so that you can sort of point out skill errors. And so forth, and immediately I got retweets. That wasn't validated, but it, it sort of pointed to me that this is something that I should definitely chase up. Mm. And um, at that stage, it was just a matter of getting out the pen and paper and sort of um, mocking up what I imagined this would look like. And normally, I would use like a website to do this, but I was—I just went straight to pen and paper and, and basically said, "This is what it needs to look like." Um, hand drew them and said the screens that would do this, and I drew three screens. And the next step was to actually sort of take this in a bit further. And I still didn't realize whether it would be something that people wanted, but I went to fiverr.com and I actually purchased a user interface designer and I got him to turn those hand-drawn mock-ups for around about $40 each into an actual user interface that I could then use to see whether or not it was something that people were interested in.
0: So you, you, you hand-drew them kind of to just mock them up a little bit and then you went to Fiverr And you found somebody who could take those hand drawings and put them into what's something that like looked like an application, right?
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, it was never intended to be the final version user interface, but you know, at this stage, I didn't even know whether it was something I was building, but um, it definitely helped get across the message that this is something, and this is how it would probably look like. And this is um, what I intend to do with it. And it was literally three screens and I could have got them cheaper than 40 from this guy, but I wanted them in within 24 hours. because I. Mm. Um, you know, the idea was so so um exciting to me that I wanted them as quick as possible. And then from there, um, once I got them, I was actually reasonably happy and I went to the website placeit.com. Have you, are
0: you familiar with placeit? No, talk about that.
1: So place it lets you create these screenshots of your actual websites or apps, etc., in realistic environments. So for example, there's like a stock library of images with devices on them. And you basically change the screenshot on the device to whatever you want. So in terms of promoting your own products, promoting your own website, promoting your apps or mock-ups in my case, uh, it makes it look like someone's actually using it. And they come out really, really impressive. It's a paid service, but um, you know you download the images and then you can use them for editorial and so on. So it helped convey that this was something real. And this is what it looked like. And here's someone using it before it was anything more than just that mock up on the screen.
0: That's so cool. I'm looking at place it right now, it's placeit.net for everybody out there listening. And I see like kids holding an iPhone, I see people holding an iPad, somebody had a computer. Uh, just, I mean, that's so cool. So with a couple clicks, you can just have your image or your app or whatever it is, like right there in real life.
1: For sure. I mean, even just your website. So you can actually put in your URL and it'll generate a screenshot of someone using your app on a particular device. And you can even do video previews. So it looks like someone's actually navigating your site. It's it's immense. Oh, wow, that's and so con- cool. Constantly adding more sort of backgrounds that you can use. They have
0: ones for like billboard on a building, uh, like up the side of an escalator. <laughs> um, someone holding a latex glove, holding your app. This, this is pretty cool. I mean, I wouldn't never use those ones, of course, but I mean, this yeah. is, this is pretty cool. So again, that's Placeit.net. Okay. So you did the mockups, uh, you uh, by hand, you went to Fiverr, then you, you put those on to on, on, on the devices that it was going to be on. Then what'd you do next?
1: At this stage, I I retweeted these images out again just to see whether or not there was even more interest and I was directing the people who were interested in um, Vitalize, which is what I was going to call it, if it was ever to be made, that is, um, to a, a mailchimp mailing list, and that grew to about fifty to seventy people across the course of a couple of days, and and this was me thinking, okay, this is definitely something that I should move ahead with and see how it could be built. So I, I spoke to my developer who I'd worked with on a couple of web apps. Um, this was not an iPhone app; it was just, you know built for the browser, so a little bit different. Hmm. and And he said it was going to cost around between ten to fifteen thousand because of the um, some of the heavy video elements and things that would need to be coded. And, you know, being able to draw over a video was something that he would, he's never done. And right. so that that got me thinking that, you know, if I went and invested 10 to 15,000 in a product that never even saw a potential return in that, then, you know, that's probably not going to be I an mean, idea. It is. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've done that with another app before and, you know, it never really returned the scale that, I would have hoped so. Based on your thinking, it was like let's see if I can pre-sell this and and use those funds to move it forward. And and my goal was to sort of raise five thousand. And if I could do that, I would, you know, definitely progress with this. And you know, logically, you'd go to Kickstarter or Indiegogo or. I was going to say yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where I wanted to go, but I was concerned thinking that my audience, being teachers, they might land there and be completely lost in where they were or what they were doing. And um, so I decided to go down a different route and I, I, I bought this uh, WordPress theme called Fundify and basically for $45 set up a subdomain of my site, um, which basically let me create my own version of Kickstarter um, where I had complete customization and 100% um, of the money earned would come to me.
0: Wow. Okay. So I'm looking at this right now. If you go to ignitiondeckcom slash fundify, is that the one that you were talking about?
1: Previously before I did, it was, yeah, it was part of a separate entity on theme Forest, but they've just moved it under, um, ignition deck.
0: That's pretty cool. Okay. So you get your own fundify theme now at any of this moment, like I think a lot of people would be like, wow, okay, this is, this is a little iffy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm selling something that doesn't even exist yet. Were you ever worried about that? Or did that ever cross your mind? Like maybe, maybe this isn't right.
1: As in, well, yeah, I mean, but it's it's pretty similar to a lot of um, Kickstarter products and Indiegogo products. And, you know, I believed that my audience and I had a growing presence of people, particularly my members, where I was going to hit them up first. Mm -hmm. Basically, they viewed it as a presale. And based on my my experience and things that I brought out in the past, you know, they sort of got in behind with that belief. And um, yeah, I mean, that's how it was sold. It was sold as a pre-sale of this particular product. But yeah, I certainly considered it. So
0: there's no, it wasn't like you were pretending that this already existed. Never, it Because I know, like for example, in the four hour work week, there's an example that Tim uses in terms of validating a product. There's an example he uses where you actually have somebody go through a sales page to buy something. And then if they buy it, then it just says, sorry, we're out of stock right now or something like that, you know, sign up to, to get it or to get notified when it comes back, that being a way to validate it as well. But this just feels, I mean, you were being completely honest. Hey guys, I'm thinking about building this. If I raise enough funds, we're going to make it happen. Let's, let's try it out. For sure. And the really big selling point for
1: people was that they were actually buying into the development and, you know, if they pre-purchased it and it was really clearly sort of spoken that this would be released in in October and they were getting pre-access, a really reduced price that would never be repeated. Um, But more importantly, I was going to build the tool based on their feedback. And the theme made it possible that when they purchased, they got placed on a MailChimp list and I had an automation sequence set up so that um, the first question that was asked was, what would you want from a tool that was a video analysis tool in the browser? And because I hadn't even started really building it, I'd sort of already, um, you know, had some ideas of where it was going, but the feedback I got shaped the product and I built products, the product to suit the audience that had pre-purchased it.
0: Right. That's really cool. Kit, okay, I think the dying question now is how much did you sell it for pre-sale and how many did you sell? If you don't mind sharing. So uh,
1: yeah, oh, absolutely. So there was three tiers, so people could come on and they could buy unlimited access for unlimited students forever for $250, or there was a $100 package or a $50 package, and uh, the $50 package gave you 50 students, and then the $100 package gave you 100 students. And the, pop- the most popular one was the $250, and we did 30000 in in the three weeks that we were um, with it up on the site, and you know, most of that came in the first, the first week. And basically I sent out a tweet once the landing page was made and, you know, I actually hired someone on Fiverr to do the landing, oh, sorry, on Odesk to do the um, landing page for me. And it took like a half of a day because it was really easy set up. And and then, yeah, I tweeted out the link and I had a thousand dollars within sort of 10 minutes of pre-sales from some of my really, um, you know, big people in the community. And and then it just went from there.
0: That's really cool. And just to put that in perspective for everybody, and I'm just... You know, obviously, these aren't uh, right on, but, you know, $30,000 divided by 250 per product. Obviously, there's probably a few more uh, who purchase at 100 or 50. But I mean, that that that's about 120 people. Yeah, that, was, that's not. A, I mean, that's that's a lot, but it's actually not that many. And yeah. to think that you were able to validate this and make that much money and, and almost like twice as much more or three times more than you needed to get this thing, get the thing built. I mean, that that just shows you that you don't need like an incredibly huge community of, of you know, millions of people coming to your site every month to do this. I mean, you were able to do this and validate it and get paid for it up front. What was that like for you?
1: Well, it was amazing. I mean, immediately when that first thousand came in, I went, all right, this is happening. I'll build it regardless of where it's, <laughs> where it's going to head. And, and I directed that to the graphic designer who turned the mock-ups into my actual user interface that's on the site now. And, um, you know, cause he'd worked with me previously and, and he got started and we, he gave them back to me within a couple of days and I redid the site. And this was the actual product now that they were pre-purchasing. It wasn't just what my thinking was around it. It was the actual product they were getting. Mm. And as the funds were rolling in through, um, Stripe and, and through PayPal, they were being directed to the developer who, was, um, who had started coding. And more importantly, I was getting all these brilliant ideas from, from people and I was channeling them straight in, things I wouldn't have even thought of um, to build and probably would never been able to do when it was final because they were really big changes to the concept and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the first list I hit up had 500 people on it. And I mean, between that process, that raised about three to $5,000 um, with one email And, you know, I set that list through a bit of a sequence of a scarcity sort of driven one when the cut when it was closing in September. And they only got about two or three emails to that list of 500 um, people who had purchased from me before. And and then I went on to my
0: other lists. That's really cool. A few questions I have that popped in my head uh, as you were talking. You're getting the stream of ideas from people through the autoresponder, which I think is incredibly smart, obviously. And I feel like there's going to be people who keep saying the same things and those are obvious ones that you want to kind of implement. And there's going to be ones that maybe people have that are just kind of outlier ideas. And then how do you kind of prioritize the what to put in there? Did you put them all in there or did you just pick a few and then roll with it so you didn't have to spend so much time developing? What was What was your thought process with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was hard because everyone, you know, there was people emailing me who hadn't even purchased suggesting things and um, you know, it's, you don't want to get to a point where it becomes this bloated piece of software that was outside of my original vision. Right. So I wanted to make sure that that was still something that was delivered. Like if this was intentionally built for schools. So if I had people from outside of a school environment saying that they wanted this f- for their athletes or something very different, then um, I, I probably didn't follow those up, but there was a consistent sort of um, message coming through those autoresponders and and they were the ones that were sort of passed on and a lot of them were really easy things that i that i just didn't think about like having some stock video in the actual app itself for people to analyze with basically as soon as they got into the app, hadn't considered it. Mm. Um, when, yeah. And went and purchased a a whole heap of stock video from, um, deposit photos or something like
0: that. And I used deposit photos. Yeah.
1: yeah, So that was, that was the process. I got a lot of value from that automation sequence and then was basically then blogging through that theme that I set up, Mm. um, as weekly, you know, with new features and suggestions and, um, and those were going out as broadcast messages to the people who had signed
0: up onto that particular list. Yeah, that's cool. Like every time you add a new feature, and Clay Collins talked about this when he was on the show talking about lead pages and how lead pages became so popular. Every time they have a new feature added on, it gives them ex- an excuse to send a broadcast out and provide value and just show how much the Person behind the company is is helping to improve it, and how much they're listening to the people who are suggesting these things. I think that's just a smart idea.
1: Yeah, it worked really well, and and then those blog posts were a, a chance to you know send out some social media stuff as well, which then in turn more people um, signed up and and jumped in for their pre sale price because they were getting this immense value that, you know, I intended on making it $1 per student per year for the product um, in line with other products in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if they got it at two fifty, unlimited use, then, you know, this was this really good opportunity they couldn't pass up. And I made it so easy to purchase. If people contacted me and they couldn't do an online credit card or PayPal, um, then I invoiced with um, QuickBooks and made it really simple for them to be able to still get access to
0: it as well. Right. That's really smart. That's really cool. And it's perfect for your niche too, because some of those people probably didn't have access to, you know, yeah. paying online or PayPal or something like that. Uh, super cool. All right. Some more ideas that came into my head. What you, you had said that, you know, your, your developer priced it at ten to $15,000. What became the actual price? Because I know a lot of people, they get estimates and then what actually ends up happening is they spend way more. Was there any sort of difference there or was it actually spot on?
1: It was pretty close. I mean, I ended up spending a little bit more money about 16,000 all up and that sort of included, um, some more graphics. And I just, I took the opportunity to build an accompanying iPad app for it so that you could record video and then the video would get pushed straight to the, um, the actual Vitalize website, um, just to make that whole process even easier because that was the big selling point. It was solving this problem that teachers had. Um, that other video analysis tools didn't understand. And yeah, so it, it blew out a little bit because I added some bigger things just to, to scope it out
0: so sure. a bit more. Yeah, but that was based on feedback from the community too. That's really cool. And so uh, did you launch with just like a beta group and, and close it or was it always for sale? So- it came out on October uh, October
1: 6th, actually. And initially, it was just available to those people that had access to it. Okay. And, um, you know, they were in there. And then it sort of by November, I'd sort of opened the doors to everyone with a different pricing model than what I actually intend to do starting 2015. And it's since we've launched, I mean, we've been adding more features as they've gone. And we've, um, we've been sort of getting, you know, doing around a thousand dollars a week in terms of, um, new customers coming on and purchasing products for their whole school. And it's just enabled it to, to become even bigger and more sleek. And, um, yeah, it's really grown from strength to strength since it's launched.
0: That's so awesome, and this is like one of your sixty apps that you have with the. Yeah, or more than that, I think uh, you said.
1: Well, it's sixty iOS apps and about twenty Android apps, and now three web apps. Which is, and this is out of all of them, this is now my one that I that I am the most proudest of because it it definitely solves this problem for a particular audience, and that audience isn't huge. Not every PE teacher wants to use tech, but. Those that do, um, this solves it for sure.
0: That's really cool. What does what the pricing structure look like now?
1: Uh, at the present until 2015, it's a dollar per student. And that's all you ever pay in terms of access. And then next year when we do our really big launch, and I'm going to take people through a, a launch sequence based on some stuff I've seen recently and it'll be a dollar per year per student with some sort of ongoing. Yeah. That way that can sort of keep them ongoing and earn revenue from it.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, that was something I was going to ask about because that's something I learned now that I've done something like smart podcast player and I'm doing software on my own. I've talked to a lot of people who are doing software. Software requires customer service, updates, compatibility updates, things like that, which require man hours and of course money. And A lot of the people who I've spoken to who have done applications and web apps and things like that software who did a one time fee almost regret it now because they're still doing service and customer service type stuff for people who paid like four years ago. The lifetime value of the customer is, is slowly decreasing because of the time that it's taking to, to serve them. So having this sort of recurring income every year is is what's you know a, a, a software should do. I feel at least if people want to get the updates and, and access the latest features, and that's kind of why the smart podcast player now is also on a uh, recurring yearly payment just because there's always updates. There's a hundred thousand like WordPress (laughs) themes and there's all these things that have to be compatible. Uh, So so that's really cool. Do you have a customer service team that helps with all your stuff? I mean, you have a lot of software type stuff. I mean, I can imagine that there's going to be bugs and things like that.
1: Oh, it's immense. So, I mean, initially I used to get everything channeled into my personal email from every app, but that was a couple of years ago and I moved over to Zendesk. And since then that's just been massive. Um, and I do hire a a VA now full-time, um, to deal with primarily just that, um, because Mm -hmm. it's not something that I really want to deal with. Um, you know, I, I deal with some of them when it's a personal email that people still send to me via my personal address, but all of it now is dealt with by him and, and, and he basically logs bugs and sends them to the developers that I work with. Mm-hmm. And then they say, you know, this is what needs to be fixed and they move on and um, just automating that process was was really valuable with a VA because it, it was it was really torturous trying to do all that myself and teach and run a blog and do everything else. Right.
0: Cool. So as we finish up here, Jared, th- I mean, this has been super incredible. And thank you for sharing all this and being honest with all the numbers and stuff uh, that this is, this is super cool. If you could go back into time and do this validation thing again, what's maybe something you would do differently, if anything?
1: Well, I actually am doing it again, to be honest. I've, I've gone in and, and I'm doing the exact same process right now um, for another software product that, that I'm sort of bringing out in the early part of February. Oh, sweet. And yeah, if it's at the pegeek forward slash project. And that takes you to the, the pre-launch page um, where there's another project that I've got with a friend. And we're trying to raise a bit less with that one, but we're applying the same sort of tactics. But we sort of realized that in this particular launch, the money would come probably from a different part of my audience than than previously. And it would have been nice had I known that earlier uh, and had lists segmented based on interests and things mm-hmm. that I do now, because that that has meant that I could definitely be more valuable to those particular people, but at the same time, know which products would match their needs. So that's what we've done differently this time. We, we send it to people who we know or think would like it and we've gone outside of my networks as well which you know could be limited and uh, we've tapped into some other organizations that have interests that are similar
0: and and that's been a bit of a different process that's so awesome jared thank you so much for sharing all of this if people want to get more information about you and see what you're up to where would you direct them to go
1: well, I, have gone and documented everything I did, um, as part of this launch, the complete step-by-step guide with all the copy that I used and, um, even screenshots, et cetera. And, and you can access that at myfundingprocess.com, just a PDF that you can get access to. But other than that, I'm just online on Twitter, um, at Mr. Robbo, which is two, two Ms, uh, one M and two R's and an O and a double B and another O or the PEgeek.com, which is where I tend to blog about phys ed and, and, um, education.
0: That's really cool. So, that that funding one, one more time, just for everybody.
1: It's myfundingprocess.com.
0: Myfundingprocess.com. Got it. Dude, thank you so much. I can't wait to see what you got going on next and this next project that you have going on. I, re- I see the theme here that you're using, it even keeps track of how much you've already funded says currently it's 92% funded. That's super cool. I think that's awesome. And so everybody check it out. All the links and show notes and resources that Jared mentioned, they're very valuable. They will be available in the show notes here in episode 146. So com slash session 146. Jared, thank you so much. We appreciate you and wish you all the best. Thanks, Pat. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jared Robinson again from thepegeek.com and myfundingprocess.com. If you want to get a step-by-step information with screenshots and more detail about his whole validation process. Super cool. Jared, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And, uh, Man, just is just such a cool and inspiring episode. I hope it hits the nail on the head for some of you. And I would love it if you had a second to leave a review in iTunes. Those go a long way. I think this is the first time this year on the episode or on the show that I'm asking. And, um, you know, we're five episodes in the year. So hopefully you can take a moment if you haven't done so already leave a review for the show on iTunes. It just goes a really long way in terms of exposure, helping new people come along and see that the show is worthwhile, and it helps me. It helps me stay motivated, and I want you to leave an honest review. If, if it's if you have some criticisms, you know, please let me know. I read every single one of those reviews. They automatically come to my email through mypodcastreviews.com, and uh, I'm just so excited to read them, and if there's criticisms, I look at them, and I apply if they're reasonable and uh, obviously justified, and I, I apply those things, and I, I'm always learning. I'm not perfect, and I keep moving forward. Thank Thank you again so much for all the inspiration that you give me and have given me over time. And I hope that this episode has inspired you in one way, shape, or form. I hope you've been enjoying the free podcast content here. I'm really excited because it's one of my favorite things to do and I know a lot of you have already taken action from the content that you've listened to on the podcast. And if that's you, congratulations. Just keep going, please. It's one of my favorite things to see. But I also know a lot of you, and a lot of you have been telling me that you've been wanting more. You've been wanting additional information, some accountability, some hand-holding along the way. And so depending on what it is that you're looking for, what I would recommend is actually go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses, you'll see the courses that I'm offering there that are paid courses but they're there to help walk you through certain processes depending on what problem you have or what issue or what thing you're trying to solve. Go there, check it out, you can see if there's a course available for you and where you're at in your business right now, whether you're just getting started and and you just wanna make sure you have all the right things in place before you actually devote a lot of time and effort into something, there's a course for you there. For those of you looking to get started with a podcast, there's stuff for you there and there's gonna be more courses there in the future and how do I come up with those ideas for the courses? They come directly from you. So thank you for all telling me how I can help you better. And if you have ideas for more courses that I can create for you, just hit me up on Twitter at Pat Flynn. Let me know or uh, use my contact page on smartpassiveincome.com. But again, check out and see what's available. Smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That will be continually added to over time. So check it out. Thanks so much. And uh, just... Until the next episode, I mean, we're going into February next month already. Uh, This is fantastic. I got a great episode for you with the crew from fizzle.co. We got Chase, Reeves, Corbett, Barr, and Barrett Brooks, who are running an amazing membership site there. And we're going to talk about all the ins and outs of building and maintaining a membership site and retaining members as well to keep them coming back and paying month after month. So check that out next week. Until then, thank you so much. Keep pushing forward, keep stepping out of your comfort zone and keep finding success. Cheers, take care. And I'll see you in the next episode of the smart passive income podcast. Peace. Thanks for listening to the smart passive income podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.